Hello and welcome to the Win Win Effect podcast with your host, Chris Ross. This is the show for anyone that wants to drive productivity and maximize potential in any industry. Let's take a moment. Have you ever wondered about the psychology behind the persuasive marketing driving you to take action, sometimes on products you never thought people would buy? Well, that's just what makes this podcast stand out from the others. On these episodes, Chris will break down proven strategies that his companies use to respectably enroll prospective students into the correct programs to achieve overall business success and fulfillment in life. You will get a rare centralized look into both sides of the buyer-seller relationships that I'm sure anyone tuning in will receive massive value from to implement instantly. There are huge quantities of informational material from companies just trying to sell products, but not many giving you the right information on how to build companies from solid foundations, focusing on customers actually winning as the outcome. The Win-Win Effect podcast is a character-based code for human interaction and collaboration in business. Time is the only non-renewable resource in life. So with this podcast, the outcome is designed to bring you value to make it worth your time. Happy Money Monday. This is Chris Ross. I am thoroughly excited to bring you another episode. But first, let's do a little rewind to catch you back up. Previously on the Win-Win Effect podcast, myself and Wes Bays had a conversation about how to align sales stages into a well-defined sales process. As you probably would imagine, there were tons of information shared on part one, but we wanted to break this out in two parts not to overwhelm you with the information so you can implement it into your sales process to receive massive results. To catch you back up where we left off, I recommend going back to episode 12 so you don't miss any of the value that we share with you on part one. Without any more delay, let's go ahead and kick this up a couple notches and let's dive right in. We pick up our conversation on where we left off. Speaking about the moral obligation you have with your clients that you serve, specifically what journey does a buyer go through after they buy from you? You're looking out for their best interest. You're their advisor, right? So you are, like you said before, you are like the family member. That's how much you have to care, right? Is you have to act as if they are you, right? From that sense mm -hmm. and, and you're helping them. Like there's no, I, I, I will look at a client like, whether it's either they're, they're my child or whether they're like my parent or whether they're my brother or sister, that's how I'm going to approach what I tell them to do and what I advise them on. Not how I communicate with them, but what my intention truly is, right? And because right. it's not about the money. It's not about any single dollar amount. It's about how you serve that person. And the money comes for those who are truly their intention is to serve first. The money will come not that you don't focus on the money, not that money is not part of your plan, not that that's not part of your focus, but your intent is to serve and do well by the client. And, and the money is a, just a natural part of that process. Right. When you're doing this the right way and you, have the, and you hone your skill and tap into your true potential and you're serving clients, not selling clients, it's all about the vehicle. That's all it is. Depending on how much money you're trying to you know, make in this world or you know, the opportunities you're going to have in life, it's going to be based off of your experiences with clients. That's it. Why am I talking about this so much on this podcast? 
because this is how we're built. A lot of people are going to talk about sales process and aligning that with the sales stages and pipeline management. And they're not going to spend a lot of time on how they properly qualify a, a student or a prospect into a lifelong client because they don't have the same drive and the same outcome in mind that I have or we have, Wes. Right. All about being able to understand, knowing when to be cheerful, knowing when to kick them in the ass and being given them that tough love. This is important. Understanding how the buyer feel more at ease by asking questions gently is important. You can come across too salesy if you're asking them too gently. Some people don't respond well to that shit. Like Jack, I know you keep asking me the same question and I'm not going to give you a different answer every time that you ask that question. How much more time do I need to spend on this topic? What about the answer that I'm giving you that you're not truly grasping? Do you see how I frame that? But if I haven't honed in my craft with, and if I wasn't confident, and if I wasn't a visor, or if I wasn't a sales professional, would I be able to do that properly? No, you wouldn't because one, you wouldn't even know to go there. Okay. So knowing when to turn on the interrogation, perfect example, like I'm not saying you need to be in law enforcement, guys, or a detective, but when something seems fishy, usually is. Embrace that with them. Say, okay, something about this isn't adding up, Mr. Prospect. Tell me, share with me again, when I asked you a question about your parents and how much money they were able to not save over the years, and you mentioned this emotion, can you walk me through that piece again? Because something I'm missing something here. Something's not adding up. What is that saying? Well, that's saying that you, well, one, you care a lot about actually helping them. And two, you're not going to let them get away with their own bullshit. Right. This is bullshit. Pretty much indirectly calling them a liar. I want them to be able to own that. Because here's the thing that if you're going to be a good liar, you need to have a good memory. I'm going to ask that question that I don't fit. Maybe I won't do it on that same call, but I'll let it slide. And then I'll hit them when it comes to call three, call four, call five. Remember back when we very first met each other, Wes? And you mentioned this. Is something changed when you shared that story with me? Is that leverage? Absolutely. Because now, now they, they really feel like they can't bullshit you anymore. Right. Let's hold them accountable. If you hold people accountable to the outcome that you're searching for, you're going to win. Every chance. It doesn't matter who you get on the phone. I'll get on the phone with somebody and they have a really a want and a will and a desire to win. They're going to win. They have the will and a desire to try to buy a product or service that isn't going to help them. Sometimes it, I've had people come to me. I'm like, listen, I don't know why the hell you're searching for this type of product or service. You don't need this. Here's what I think you need. And then I'll send them on their way. But they're based off of their experience and me being able to have that conversation with them, Wes, and pushing them towards a way they need to go. And I'm not saying that you need to do this with every potential client because it could be any kind of product or service based on if you're selling the right things. So I will go, listen, for me to be able to give this recommendation to you, here's what I'm going to need from you. And give me a little bit of time to help you because normally, typically I don't make these recommendations when it isn't in-house. But based off our relationship, and I know that you really want to accomplish this. Now I'm going to paraphrase. You mentioned that your kid is really wanting to do X, Y, Z, and you, you don't have the money to be able to do that. Well, to save you a little bit of time, here's what I would like for you to do for me. Think of two or three people that you potentially know, and I'm going to hit them. This person, this person, this person. Give me more, write out some information 
and tell me a little bit more about them tomorrow on our call. And I can only be on the line with you because this call is normally for clients and for products and services that we're offering here. But this call is going to have to be quick. That's going to be my personal time. Give me the names of the phone numbers that present that to me and I'll pass you over to a sales representative to meet your needs. What is that doing, Wes? Well, you're creating an opportunity out of what almost seems like there is no opportunity. So you're you're getting them to commit to getting you referrals so that then they can have also a better outcome for themselves. And at in the same time, you're now you're using your time a lot more effectively because you're not wasting time with someone who doesn't really have any kind of value that they can bring back towards you. Right. Even if I never talk to him again, what is that going to do? You've already planted that seed. Right. I planted a seed. Even if they don't contact me back, I'm like, Chris, and they'll send me an email. I really don't know. And I really don't trust you yet. And I really don't think you're going to give me the right person I need to contact. That's on them. You're putting it back on them. Am I doing the heavy lifting? No, not at all. No, I'm not. Why am I going to? That's where a lot of salespeople fail. They think they need to do everything. You don't need to do everything. This is where your pre-call research is important. When people tell me that they got a lot of money, Wes, it's a lie. When they tell me they got no money, that's a lie until I confirm it. I need to confirm everything. We're living a world right now where you can be anything you really want to be or say who you are. Well, we know this for sure. That's why a lot of companies get their doors shut. And that's why I spend a lot of time with the education boards getting the stuff nationally accredited. These academic programs that we sell ethically or enroll students into an enrollment process or the sales system or figuring out what they need is based off of them actually enrolling into that program and actually seceding with that program. That goes against accredited programs. That's why you don't see accredited programs out there unless you're going with a trade school. That pre-call research is important. This breaks the ice. This is where questionnaires are important. I assume... Wes, what is a pre-call research? I mean, questionnaires. I mean, I know that your company does this and you train companies to do this. How do you gain more information for a pre-call? Like with questionnaires and what? Can you walk them through what that looks like? Yeah, so what that ultimately looks like when you're building a questionnaire for... So say somebody shows interest, right? And you're trying to qualify. And before you have that first conversation with them and you're sending them out a questionnaire, the objective of that questionnaire is to do a few things. One is to get you all the information you need to know if they're a qualified you know, buyer. But two, you also need to get information to understand how you're going to sell that buyer. First thing that, you know, we look for is in the questionnaire is, okay, what, what's, the in, what's it trying to accomplish? All right. So that, what it's trying to accomplish is help us understand a lot more about the buyer. You know, what's that person's motivation? What's their qualification? And at the same time, it's making that buyer feel like we actually care through the questions that we're asking inside of that questionnaire. All right. So it's helping us position ourselves to be able to connect with that buyer much faster. Also utilize our time effectively to know if it's even worth our time and how we're going to head with that conversation. And also making the buyer feel like we're actually organized and we know what we're doing and we care about very specific things that has to do with them. Right. So I could be asking, and that's the thing. I see a lot of questionnaires a lot of times from companies that are very analytical in nature. Your, Your questionnaire can't be analytical. You need the analytics, but you have to mix it in. Right. So you have your feeling questions. You have your motivational questions. You know, what drove you to, to show interest in this? All the things that you'd be asking on a call, you're going to include in here. What drove you to what drove you to show interest in my X, Y, and Z? Uh, what, what are your goals? What are your goals for the next five years? You know, if you are successful with this, what does your life look like? What does your life look like if you're not successful with this? Right. So then at the same time asking, what job do you have? 
how much money you make. I can ask all those things in a questionnaire if I know where to place them, right? And and show right. care first and then place them. I can ask them how many children you have. Everything I want to know about this person. Why? Because the second I pop on that phone, I already know you. Right? And Game I'm not, time. Right? I'm not asking you, hey, so how many children you have? They're like, hey, John, you have three kids. How do you do it, man? How do you keep up with what you're doing right now with these three kids? I, I was really curious when I was reading you know, what you sent in. And now I'm showing them that I care. I've I've built a massive amount of rapport right from the start, right? So right. it's uh, huge. I know that was, yeah, that's <laughs> that's absolutely absolutely a huge piece of it. And, and you can here's the thing, and I'm going to spend just a little bit of time on this: is you can do this in all industries. I hope people understand that. Right? The things that we're talking about, it's not just for one certain industry. I don't care if you're a car salesman. I mean, cars people already do it kind of, but they could do it a lot better. Maybe that's something we should consult on. But the you know, car people do it. You can do it in real estate. You can do it in finance. You can do it in, in all of these things, right? Instead of you going out and trying to show that you're desperate, have them fill out a questionnaire. You know, I always said if I was ever going to be in real estate, this is what I would do. I, if somebody showed interest, I was going to send them a questionnaire. And that questionnaire is going to break down exactly what kind of house they want based off of all the different criteria that a typical client looks for. But within that, I'm going to find exactly why they're looking to move, what this really means to them. And how this can potentially change their life or how this can impact their life all within that questionnaire. Because the second I get on with that client, I'm going to show them that I know exactly what they're looking for. And I'm going to line up two to three houses that they're going to look at. And then I'm going to spend my time taking on 20 different houses. Right? That's the other thing right. that the questionnaire does. Now you're focused. You've broken down a couple of layers so that you don't have to take the time to do them. Okay. So let's dive in a little bit more into this. Let's peel out the layers. This is important. I'm glad that this conversation is going here. Anybody listening to this, we'll get through the sales process eventually. Okay. So if you're looking for just like the XYZ sales process, this is what makes myself and the companies that I own and Wes as well, very effective. Because say for instance, Wes, you send a questionnaire and it's mapped out perfectly. There is, I guess you say a little bit resistant on filling out personal information. But what if they don't fill anything out? What do you? How do you normally handle that with a client the first time you talk to them? I mean, I, I almost feel bad for them in that instance, but the way Me that, too. but the, the 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 way that I'm going to handle that is going to be this: like John, I know that we sent you a questionnaire before you got on this call, and typically, typically, I wouldn't even get on this call if if this questionnaire wasn't filled out correctly. But I had a feeling that I needed to get on this call today. Can you explain to me a little bit why, a little bit of why you didn't want to go ahead and complete that questionnaire? What made you uncomfortable? Right? And I'm going to dive into it, right? Based off of what they're going to tell me. And I'm going to use that as leverage because now I'm going to I'm going to gain after we go through that process, I'm going to gain commitment. So now after I explain to them why it's important that they follow that direction. Be like, this is what this is. I'm going to explain what the assessment was meant to do. But like now we don't have that, but that's okay. Moving forward as you, we work together. Is this something that's going to continue or are you actually going to be able to follow my direction in the right way? Right. And now right. I've taken that situation. I've turned it into a situation, right? Where now this person is, feels obligated to actually follow what I do because they know I'm watching. They know I'm going to hold them accountable. Right. And it just changed the dynamic of that relationship completely. And I still built a, a massive amount of rapport. And, but it was a different kind of rapport because everybody thinks a rapport is only one thing. But it's a different kind of rapport and a different kind of relationship where it's, you know, they, they are obligated now 
to follow my direction and I'm going to steer them in the right, right in the right way. Right. They're a little bit more inclined to listen to you on a professional level. They know that your shit's together. You know, I'm not going to waste my time. Like, listen, John, like based off of the information that you shared or lack thereof in this situation and have a little giggle, laugh it off, embrace that shit. But like, listen, man, like normally I don't get on this call. You said it. Normally I don't get in a call like this, but something told me to reach out to you and have a conversation. It was worth the conversation. And I'm really curious. Why did you hold back on sharing information that was going to help me do my job better? Based off of his response is I know when to turn on and turn it off the charm. Me letting him know is positioning. It's like, listen, man, like next time my team send you something, that's like coming from like the person is in charge. Like I'm not in charge. I'm the guy that makes decisions and gives recommendations. I'm not the guy that sends emails. That's for my admin team. If you get a call from them, they're there to do one job, assist me. And if you're not giving them or actually helping them help me, then how the hell am I going to help you? <laughs> right? Makes sense. Finally, it should go without saying. You have to be an expert about your product or service and know the value proposition, the different pieces of actually what will help them and what maybe not help them. Perhaps it shouldn't be the right fit. I can cultivate the right program to fit the right buyer, if that makes sense. If you know what you're talking about, referring them when reaching the solution mapping stage, you got to map that process out. Like, John, this is what it looks like for the next three days. You're going to be busting your ass. What do you have going on? Like, I just put him in a binding situation. Like, what do you mean? I'm going to be busy. If you really want this to work for you, you're going to have to put forth the effort because the people that I work with move at a fast pace. Do you know why, John? Because you move at a fast pace? Exactly. Yay. Ding, ding, ding. But what I'm doing here, Wes, is I'm embracing the uncomfortableness of him. And I knowing, and if I know what actually going to motivate him based off the questions that I'm asking, that's key. That's how I'm able to learn more information on that discovery call. I might be on a call for five minutes, Wes. Five minutes. Right. It's over. He he's might as well just handing me his credit card. But I'm not. He knows already automatically that I'm a person about my business, and I'm not going to do anything morally and unethical. And that's my goes back to my comment that I can make. Any type of money that I'm going for, because I sell a $5 product the same as I sell a $5 million. It doesn't matter. Because if they're willing to put forth the effort, I'm going to put forth more effort in helping them. But what is that doing, Wes? I'm going to get more buyers from them. Buyers must be confident. That simple. But if they're not confident, they need to be, they need to be confident about what you're trying to sell them. Well-trained and skilled people know how to take that discovery call and set up the rest. I mean, I might have one call with them, Wes, and that's all it's going to take. And all the other calls could be two to three minutes. And I've seen you do this, Wes, to be honest with you, is that you'll have a first call and then sell them on the next call. Why do you do that? Is it just based off of... I mean, I know the, what I would do, and I've done things similar to, like that before. When you have somebody who's ready to buy or ready to enroll and you feel that they're ready, you sell them. But... A lot of people don't go that route. Why do you think that is? Well, the reason why I do this is because here's the thing. I'm closing something on every call. Right? I, I'm always going to close something. It doesn't necessarily have to be money, right? but I'm always going to close something. But I have to. you constantly have to sell the next call because that person, one, that actually has a, actually, I'm going to try to get, I'm going to try to sum up all of this in a short amount of time here, but the, when you're selling someone on every call, you're conditioning for one. 
right? You're conditioning them on actually saying yes to what you're, what you're telling them to do. That's for one. But the other reason why you're selling on every call is to ensure that that person is going to continue on the journey that you have set forth for them so that they can, they can reach the ideal outcome that you have already set in place, right? That's why understanding, that's why having the outcome in mind is so important, right? I want to ensure there's no gaps in my process. I want to ensure that this person can't run away, right? And of course, mm-hmm. I'm going to feel out and see where they are in every step of the process, but I'm going to sell them. It's not just about selling them on the next call. It's about selling them on what they need in order to feel confident right. about the next step of the process, right? And so that's that's really what my main focus is. I mean, I've sold 20 grand on, on my first call meeting with somebody. Why? Because it was I was in a position to do so because of the conversation that we were having. I've also had an opportunity to sell you know 20 grand for somebody on the first call, and I haven't because I knew it would be detrimental to their process. Right. It's not about me being able to or not being able to. It's about where that person is. So I'm going to sell everything that person needs in order to, for them to be confident and then make a confident decision moving forward with everything that they do. And the more that I build up that confidence scale with them and towards me, that the buying decision ultimately when it comes to the monetary value I'm going to get back is a natural part of the process. It's not a pitch and it's not a hard stop. And I hope the listeners are understanding this. Is it, and if you do the discovery call properly, and no matter where you sell them through the process, you're going to learn so much information about them and especially how to follow up with them and how they want to be followed up on. What do I mean by following up? Well, it's about how you're able to present them with the right, I guess I want to say formula, but with the right process moving forward that they're actually going to stick to, right? So that can go, right. that can be with anything. That can be with how they like to be reached. So that could be their email, their phone number. That could be with the type of content they like to be reached with, right? They they like text, they like video, right? You know, it, it, it all of it is just speaking to them so that they're engaged, right? That's the whole point is that they're engaged in the process and not veering off track. And that's ultimately what you mean by that. So when I say to somebody, when I very first get them on the phone, like Wes, based off of the information you share with me, by the way, thank you for all the detailed information. First, before we get going, is it okay if I record this call for educational purposes? Yes. When I get someone on the phone for the first time, even if the calls are not recorded, I try to record all my calls anyway, but I'm going to ask questions like this. If they filled out everything to the T on that questionnaire, I'm going to say, Jackie, based off of my information, I can really do a lot with you based off of that. So thank you. I appreciate it. And you wait. She'll go, oh, yeah, yeah, I just wanted to shit, give you much information. It said this here. But based off of her response, acknowledge that piece. A lot of people don't start off with that. If they fill out a questionnaire, ask them why they filled it out a certain way. Why? Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Is that professionalism, Wes? That's, ex- that's extreme professionalism. And it's also now setting the commitment on their end. Because now they know that you notice. Now it's setting the commitment on their end that they're going to continue to do this throughout the, the process in which they're going through with you. And then Jackie, based off of the information you did share, it seems to me that you're an open book. Is, would you agree with that statement? Yeah. Okay. This is where you learn so much about yourself as a salesperson. You'll listen to you, go back and listen to your calls. You're not listening, but you're asking for that agreement. If I'm getting into an agree and I'm putting in a yes state in the first 30 seconds, Wes, what do you think is going to happen? They're going to keep saying yes over and over again. I actually did a training on this. Uh, I think it was two weeks ago with the trade school. 
and they're getting them to the point to where they're getting them into a buying situation and they're not pulling the trigger because they're scared to ask for the sale. A lot of salespeople do this. Getting them into a, a buying time frame or understanding and taking that time frame away from them. Because a lot of buyers, they go to buy something or have an intention to mind of what they want or maybe in their own mind say, oh, I want to buy this. Well, you're not in charge of that anymore. Your job was to, you you put in a request to see if you would like more information. I didn't say I was going to sell it to you. Like that's that. Yeah, I'm a sales guy. Of course, I'm going to ask for, I'm going to ask at the right time based off of the information that you share with me. But you're not sharing enough information with me. It'll actually help me recommend that program or recommend that t-shirt or recommend that popsicle or recommend that car for you at this time. So what other information can you share with me that'll actually help me lead me to that conversation or that's a decision. Execution is a big piece. That's why decision-making in an approval process is vital for any salesperson to understand. In my experience, like by asking the right probing questions, most buyers like are very opening and willing to tell you what their pain points are, right? And what's needed to solve their situation. So decision-making is like, so what's going to help you make a decision based off of the recommendation that I'm giving you? Or if I was able to recommend you for this type of program, like, what would you say to me? When would be the right time to present that type of decision to you? So say, for instance, Wes, and we're going we're gonna to wrap up today's you know episode with leaning into decision-making and approval process. So I know that we discussed tons of information and some nuggets on how to lead with the outcome in mind and gaining more referrals and increasing your overall experience and then qualifying the buyer. And then most importantly, hold them accountable. Before moving on to a decision-making and approval process, what I mean by that is two layers. Decision-making and approval process is me recommending them for the next call or telling them what's going to happen. And before we kind of prep them on that little piece, why do you think it's important to ask them how they want to be sold the product if they qualify? Well, one, actually it plays twofold. One, it helps you understand exactly how you need to position yourself, how you need to frame things, how you need to be able to to communicate with that person to get them to a buying decision, right? And what they're looking for. The other thing that it does too, is that now it sets, and this is more important, it sets an expectation in the person's mind that you will give them everything they need in order for them to be able to make a good decision, right? But now they're committed. This is the psychology piece of it. Now they're committed to the decision, right? So it's not about, it's not about the decision anymore. It's about the fact that now it's not a yes or no about the decision. It's about how do we position, how do, how do I position myself or how does that client is positioned at this point to be able to be successful, right? And that's the biggest difference is it's not about yes or no to the, to, to the sell, right? Or to the purchase or to the whatever, that, that decision. It's uh, what do you need in order for you to be able to truly move forward, right? Now that, that all that person is thinking about is how they're going to move forward and what they truly need. And now you can, you know, make... Make every, you could do everything you do at that point based off of that, right? And this is where the difference between an amateur and a professional salesperson is that a professional salesperson understands that it's not about always trying to be so creative on, on how you extract information from somebody or how you get them to a buying decision. If you're confident, you can flat out ask them, what do you need, right? What do you need? And then you can base everything you do off that because now you're giving them exactly what they need. Sometimes when you get students or get, let's see, let's go with car salesmen and they write up on the piece of paper and says, I want to buy this car. 
Well, based off of your budget and based off of my discovery during this call, I don't think that car, that popsicle, that t-shirt, that program is actually going to be the right fit. It's going to serve you the best. Here's what I do recommend though. Bop, bop, bop. I'm always going to give a recommendation no matter what. Every call. And then I'm going to recap. Based on what I learned in this discovery and based off of the information you did share with me, Wes, thank you, by the way, on sharing all this information. I know sometimes that my questions can be a little bit more on the deeper side of expressing emotions. Sometimes you really want to deal with a stranger. And I I appreciate that. Thank you. And I wait. And I will wait for you to say something to me. Not to get too long-winded, but here's where I make my transition. Based off the information I did discover, I think you are qualified and I think you are ready for the next call with me. Here's what that looks like. And then I'm going to frame it. Here's what I'm going to do for you. Here's what we're going to do. And then I'm going to recap. So follow that approach and you'll do much better of actually gaining more trust and more approval from them. Because people try to sell on the opening call or discover information, just move on. I'm trying to sell myself to them at that time. Is there any part of this call that you would like me to, you know, something for me to answer on the next call or maybe some questions that you do have? Do me a favor. When you're watching this video or you're filling out this assignment or you're doing whatever the hell it is, I'm always going to leave them an assignment. Anything you would like to ask me before next meeting that you didn't, you feel like you didn't have time to ask me today, can you send me an email? Because I prep for every call 15 minutes prior. Why do you think that is, Mr. Prospect? I'm like, well, I don't know because I want to be fresh. So I'm already instilling in their mind, I'm going to spend more time to help you. Can you do the same? And then we can go into decision-making. Is any part of this is any part of this call that you feel that you need to ask one of your, anybody in your social circle, anybody in your social you know, um, circle of influence that you would like to make, make them a part of this decision-making? Would you like to have them on a call with you? Would you like to... I'm not trying to open up the unknown or open up myself and put my pigeonhole myself, but I am going to ask just because I want to give them to the common decency to make that decision. Does that make sense? Especially when you're dealing with a spouse. Why is that important? Well, you're heading off that objection. So you just head off that because if they say no or say I'm the decision maker, no, I don't need to have anybody on this call. If they come back later and try to tell you that they need to talk it over with somebody, now they kind of just, they're calling their own bullshit. themselves. All right, they're all they're calling their own bullshit at that point. Chris, I, I'd like to bring on my wife to this call. Say that again for me, uh, Chris. Oh, I, I heard you right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to be able to make that shift from a salesperson to a sales professional, and then overall, a trusted sales advisor, you're going to need to be comfortable dealing with uncomfortable situations. In no way whatsoever am I referring to you becoming an asshole. That's not what I'm talking about. However, it's important to hold them accountable to what agreement you both agree on during the sales process. I'm going to close talking about how to handle this properly. Number one, you've got to identify the problem. To hold someone accountable, you must know what they did. This means getting to the bottom of the matter and obtaining the truth to the best of your ability. This can be a very tricky situation if you're an inexperienced salesperson. That is why it's a necessary task that it must be executed with expertise. Number two, apply courtesy. How you say something often influences the type of response you receive. Would you agree? Listen, no one likes to hear they're wrong. Regardless of the client's reaction, maintain professionalism. Remember, your goal is to hold the client accountable. 
and to be able to maintain the rapport level you worked so hard to establish with the prospective client. How to overcome this without dropping the rapport level? Clarify your expectations. Before attempting to hold anybody accountable to whatever they do, clarify your expectations and what you agreed upon. Then you can transition into resolving the matter. The key to the situation is apply active listening skills so the client feels you are receptive to hearing their side. There's two sides of every story and a situation. If you notice, I dropped the decimal level in using my tonality to making it okay to listen to their response. If handled appropriately, you can likely arrive and get a quick agreement resolving the matter altogether. And most importantly, you probably raise the rapport level because you stood your ground. When all else fails, if the client refuses to acknowledge what happened, try to explain the impact that will have on the outcome they're desiring. I truly hope everyone listening received tons of value from the information that we shared in the last two episodes. Stay tuned for the next episode where we're going to discuss how to align that transition into the meetings and going into the proposal. So as always, ask yourself, how can you get a little bit better each day, that 1%? Keep moving, keep growing, keep learning. Let's go win our day. Take care. Thank you for taking your time and listening to today's podcast of The Win-Win Effect. As a thank you for listening and tuning in, Chris is rewarding you with a placement course webinar with his team to point you in the right direction to massive success. In success, it's all about living a better quality of life. So at the very least, subscribe to the Win-Win Effect podcast so you don't miss the next episode. Feel free to share on your social media or simply tell a friend about it. Also, please rate and review the podcast. To find the free webinar and more information, please visit tcrconsultingagency.com.